WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. And good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD. Uh, we are supposed to be talking with Brian Loans. Brian Loans is the, he's, he works for Fox Sports. He's in the announcers for the NHRA. Uh, I talked to him earlier in the week. He said he was going to call in, and I'm sure he will be calling in because I just texted him and said he could call in any time. So uh, that's the plan for today. Also, we have a text line. We'll have to give that a shot in a little bit, too, to see how that works. So if you, uh, you know, if you don't want to be on the air, but you have a question, you can text in and Jesse will read it and he'll tell me what it is and he'll make stuff up on the way. You know, so we got we got those things going on. Um, got, um, you know, I get products to try out once in a while. And if you've wondered why I haven't been reviewing any cars lately, it's because I'm, you know, not in New England and there's a different company that I deal with down here and they've been really busy and they've been short on cars, but they're going to try to start to take care of me, uh, as they get caught up with some stuff. They were, um, you know, they were, they, they had to deliver some cars to Daytona for, courtesy vehicles out there for for racing they had a they've been they've been pretty busy uh also again the 2014s are a little short supply right now so there's been that issue um but uh, you know hopefully that will be straightening itself out before too long so i've been looking at you know all kinds of different products and things and you know sometimes it's you know sometimes it's a uh you know a, a flashlight sometimes it's uh interesting uh knife i got one from a company that it's uh it's it's a uh, sort of looks like a multi-tool but it's a little bit limited depending well it's depending on what you want to do it is a knife which is handy i'm surprised how often i use a knife opening up boxes and taking stuff out of packages and whatever but uh it also has a screwdriver both phillips and regular and it takes regular size bits so you can swap them out and put different ones in uh but what's nice about it is the handle locks at a 90 degree angle so you get a little bit more leverage which is kind of nice uh so that works out that works out good and then the um the other uh, the other aspect of it it has a bottle opener which if you drink something that's in a bottle that needs that doesn't twist off, uh, having a bottle opener is handy to have with you. So you get a knife, Phillips, and flat screwdriver, and a bottle opener. I suppose you know maybe that's all the tools you need. Um, yeah, and it's and it's pretty handy. But I got something from a company, and I don't know if I am pronouncing this correctly, but I'm calling it No Nasty, and it's uh, N O. N-A-S-T-E with the umlaut or something over the E. I don't know what that... Jesse, how's your uh, how's your uh, English language? Is it a flat line over an E and umlaut or is that something else? Uh, I think that's the... I think you got it. I think that's the name of it. I don't know. Well, anyway. And uh, one of the products they sent me was this spray cleaner and it's it's an odor eliminator and it's one of those things that, you know, I get a lot of calls about people, 
uh, from people or or not people but emails i guess and they're always trying to figure out oh you know my dog was in the car or i just bought a used car and the person's a smoker and you know you know what what can i what can i do is there something i can do and um this stuff works pretty good. I used it in, and it's, it, you know, their their thing is you get sweat out, but you can use it in all kinds of stuff. I pair of sneakers, I sprayed it in. It seemed to make a difference with that. Um, it just seems to, the product seems to work pretty well. But the other thing they sent me is a car seat protector. And it isn't like a traditional seat cover. It is a kind of a, they called it seal skin, but I don't. I think that's just a term they use, and it just sort of fits over the headrest and lays flat on the seat. And I didn't have any real use for it, but I I gave it to my next door neighbor, who uh, he hunts, he fishes, and he uh, dives. So I said to him, "Try this. I'll see how it does." And he goes, "I love this thing." He said, "It works out great." He said, I, I put it in the car, I sit on it, my seats don't get wet and dirty, especially if I've been diving. You can only dry off so much after 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 diving. And he said, you know, the other thing is when I'm when I've when I've been out hunting, you know, I'm I'm on my hands and knees sometimes, crawling through little tunnels and things. And he said it's really nice for keeping the car clean. I just take it home and hose it off and hang it up, let it dry out, fold it back up and stick it back in the car. So if you have, you know, those needs from stuff, you know, give it give it a shot. Um, the next one I'm going to talk about coming up pretty soon is a battery tester. We'll get to that in a bit. But right now, let's talk to Tom from Kingston. Tom? Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing okay. We're waiting for a big snowstorm they're predicting for Tuesday. I've been, I've been, I've been reading all about it. It's going to be like all snowstorms in, in Massachusetts. It's going to be from 0 to 12 inches. That's right, and they're probably <laughs> accurate. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll go with that, sure. Sure. Yeah, i got a couple things going on. First thing is i got a check engine light. I have a, a new-to-me 2019 Toyota Senna. Okay. And yep. a check engine light came on. And I thought they had a product that you can buy at the local auto store that helps to clean or do something to the exhaust system so that the check engine light goes out. Any news on that? Um, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that you can get at the there parts is. store. Okay. All kinds of stuff you can get at the parts store that cleans out the catalytic converter, the check engine light goes out. Um, and does it work? Do, no. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I, it, it depends what's really wrong with it. And this okay. is, you know, how many miles are on it? You said it's a 2019? 2019, it has uh, 120,000. Okay, but still. Um unusual that you would have a bad catalytic converter have you checked for codes yet nothing yet i'm going no. to this week yeah yeah i mean i check for codes and see see what you come up with i mean it could be as goofy as you know the gas cap is bad gas cap, right yeah um or it could be you know either you know kind of characteristic of toyota products is there's a thing called a purge valve they sometimes can go bad and they, and basically the car will run perfect no problems at all but it'll say slight evap leak and it's usually a purge valve uh, on a Toyota, and um, you know, not a terrible repair, but it, you won't notice it. It'll, other than the light will be on, and uh, and I assume how how long ago did you get this? We got this probably about uh, about a month ago. About a month ago, and you had it inspected when you got it. 
Yes. So it went right there through. There was no light no... on at that yep. time. And the person we purchased it from said, check engine light comes on every once in a while, bought it to the dealer. He says, don't worry about it. Yeah, that that sounds like it's probably a purge valve. You know, okay. it's probably yeah, probably that that would be that would be my guess. Um, uh-huh. And uh, you know, especially I mean, odd that the dealer would say, "Don't worry about it." But uh, as usually, Is purge usually, valve expensive. Um, no, not not uh, you know every everything's expensive, I guess. Um, yeah. But no, um, okay. it is it is. Um, you know, it's maybe a half an hour labor to replace it. Um, it may be on this. It may be part of the um, vapor canister, which you know doesn't, which makes it more expensive. The part wise, but um, the, but it it's one of those things that yeah, it, it. I don't know the part. You know, the part if you bought it from Toyota is probably three or four hundred dollars. What scares me right now is labor rates that I'm seeing in some garages, not so much in, you know, out, you know, down on the South Shore, but I've been seeing some labor rates at $265 an hour at dealerships. You know, it's funny you say that. I asked my brother-in-law who works at the Mercedes place over there in Route 1. Yep. He's the mechanic over there. I said, well, how is the shop rates? He goes, $200 an hour. Yeah. It's like my doctor doesn't charge that. I, it is... It is it seems to be getting out of control and it's funny i was just casually talking to someone the other day who used to be um the service service manager at the bmw dealership kind of across from where the mercedes dealership is and uh and he was saying i said something he said you know a lot of people think bmws are expensive and i said you know, I, I said something about the labor rate, and he goes, well, anybody that has one of those should have an extended service contract because, you know, they are expensive. But, you know, the, the idea you, that $200 an hour, you know, know. and yeah. that that to me just sounds at Even some point. It takes them 15 minutes to fix well, it. Well, yeah, and it's going to be a minimum of an hour no matter right. what. Yeah, Correct. so, yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's you know, the price of cars is scaring me. The price of labor to fix them is scaring me more. And it's and it's sort of the one weird thing that that doesn't make any sense, and it I guess it does if you know the business, is body shop labor that insurance companies pay for. And body shops bill insurance companies still something like $35 an hour. Still still huh and and the only reason they can get away with it i guess is because everybody must be taking advantage of everybody you know the body shop says you know this is going to be a you know a, a five-hour job and it's you know 35 dollars an hour but we're going to you know the parts are going to be this and it's really a two-hour job but we're going to okay, charge yeah. three you know it's the uh, you know I, they're going to pay a good body shop guy Forty bucks an hour. So how can they charge an insurance company thirty? And you know, part of it is you know the steady money from the insurance. But still, it's it's that makes no sense when you hear you know two hundred, two hundred, two hundred forty, two hundred sixty-five dollars an hour labor. Um, you know, some some independent shops are still you know one twenty, one twenty-five or so. So right, um, which is reasonable. Yeah, yeah. You know, the other thing I have is uh, auto insurance. I had a two thousand two Chevy van, full size van. Yep. And my car insurance from Allstate was uh, close to 500 It was like 480 490 for the year. And you don't have too much coverage on it when you have, you know, other than the liability, you know, personal property, 
you know, hundred thousand, and yep. I have a hundred. No, is it two fifty five hundred on the other stuff? Well, I went up to the two nineteen Toyota. Yep. It went from four hundred and eighty, four hundred ninety dollars a year to almost fifteen hundred. Gee. So, and I said, well, that's a big jump, another thousand bucks up. So I say, I'll call a couple uh, other insurance companies, get a price, see what's going on. Then somebody told me about Zebra, I think it's called, mm. where you can put in the information and it checks all the different insurance companies, comes back with all the different ones, you know, Progressive and all the other ones. I did that. None of them uh, would give an offer. So I called one to talk to a real person. They says, oh, yeah, we can't uh, insure you right now. I said, why is that? Because you're in a high-risk area. Because of the storms that have been coming, there's a lot of fraud. I really? never heard of that before in all my life, doing huh. insurance. I could see if I was down Louisiana or yeah. where you are because of the storms that come. But up here yeah. in Massachusetts? Yeah, I, that's that is weird. That is, I mean, my my car insurance, my car insurance here went up about twenty percent. So, um, because we did put a we did put in a claim. Hey, Tom, thanks for, thanks okay. for the questions. Always you like have talking a to great you. Week. Good you as well. You, okay. All right, take care. Well, like like all celebrities, sometimes you know, sometimes they're not always right on time. But with us, but with us is Brian Loans and and uh, you know, Brian. Good morning. John, my reaction time, uh, if we're going to talk drag racing, I, I totally was late on the lights here. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, uh, introduce yourself. Tell us tell us who you are and what you do, because every time I turn around, you're doing something new. Yeah, so um, I, uh, Brian Loans, I'm the uh, lead play-by-play broadcaster for uh, Fox Sports 1 for the NHRA Drag Racing Series. I also... Uh, host a couple of podcasts, one for Hot Rod Magazine. Um, I do another podcast for the NHRA and um, editor in chief of Bankshift.com, which is an automotive car magazine. So I, uh, I just do, I do car stuff. That's what I just tell people. I do car stuff. And uh, you are actually truly famous now. I mean, listen. I, I think if you have to qualify it, you're not. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's great. It's um, you know being able to to be a part of uh, of the FS1 crew that broadcasts the race is pretty much a lifelong dream. You know, I grew up loving drag racing and. To be the guy that's on the other side of the screen on the television now is a pretty wild thing. Having grown up watching it my whole life, and and it it really, I mean, it it is something. And drag racing, and there was a a big deal this weekend. Bobby Tasco like set a world record, right? Yes. So there was an event uh, down in Bradenton, Florida, which is kind of a, it was a preseason race, uh, big money purse put up, and uh, Bob Tasco went 341 miles an hour. In a thousand feet. Now, funny cars and top field dragsters now, they do not race the full quarter mile uh, because of the speed. They've actually backed the finish line to a thousand feet. And um, it's been a bit of a race to get to that 340 mile an hour barrier. Uh, we almost got there in 2017. Uh, then the rules were changed to slow the cars down some. And at the end of last season, Bob came close a couple times and people were kind of wondering if it would happen. And of course it did. And it was an amazing run. He ran 339 miles an hour on Friday night. And then on Saturday night, he went 341, which was just it's astonishing. It's, you know, in, in an era where, you know, we don't talk as much about the records like we did back in the 90s with Kenny Bernstein and stuff. Something like this is, is an incredible feat. Yeah, it, it really it really is. And the idea, like you said, you're doing it at 1,000 feet instead of 1,200 feet uh, or whatever a quarter of a mile is. Um 
the, I mean, it is 1,320 feet, right? Yeah, a quarter quarter mile, so like our our pro stock category, which are gasoline-burning cars, they run about 200. And the motorcycles, they both run to to the quarter mile still. Yeah, Um, Yeah. The the top fuel dragsters and the nitro funny cars, and these things, you know, people, they kind of roll their eyes, but it's the truth that they make about 11,000 horsepower out of a 500-cubic-inch engine. And they do that because of the nitromethane fuel they use and, and how much of it they use. And, you know, to give perspective, like Bob's car, Bob's uh, Mustang will accelerate from zero to 100 in 60 feet. So uh, from a standing start, just within the first 60 feet of the, the run, the car is already traveling 100 miles an hour. It's a, it's they're astonishing things to watch. And it, and it's I remember talking to him. He says it's something like I don't know eight G's going up and 10 G's coming down. You almost to the point where you'd pass out. It's uh, it's getting it's getting to the point. Uh, you know these runs and, and what's really interesting about the way these cars work. Um, so when the driver first hits the gas, you think, well, that's where he experiences the most G-force. But the reality is it's not. So when he first hits the gas, Bob will experience about four to four and a half Gs. But as the car goes down the racetrack and the clutch becomes a, a locked unit, where you know, the clutch kind of slips, so you don't spin the tires, and then into the run, the clutch, will, the clutch will lock up. So at that point, the engine and the rear end are basically spinning at the same speed. Um, when that moment occurs, the, the G-forces will spike up over six. So if you can picture it, the car is actually accelerating harder at 800 feet than it is in the first 100 feet of the run. It's just, you know, they really, they're, it's a very crazy physics experiment. You know, that's really what drag racing is, right? It's a very, it's moving this load of, moving this load of a funny car is about 2,500 pounds. How quickly can we move this load of 2,500 pounds from a standing start to 1,000 feet? And uh, thankfully, we keep getting better at it because it keeps me employed. <laughs> oh, they, well, there you go. I remember, I remember talking to Don Gowitz. I don't know, fifteen years ago, and I said to him, "You know, do you ever, do you ever think we'll hit three hundred miles an hour?" And and he kind of looked at me and said, "You know, no one thought I could hit two hundred miles an hour when I did that." And he said, "Maybe someday," but he said, "I, I don't know." You know, back then he's like, "I don't think we'll be able to do it." I think aerodynamics and and engine performance i don't think it's going to get there and the idea that not really that many years later you know 341 miles an hour is nuts oh it is and and you know the one thing and and you know drag racers for a really long time especially back in the 60s always took pride in this idea that you know the scientists said you couldn't go any faster than 180 and a quarter mile and and of course garlitz goes in 1964 at uh, at island dragway in new jersey garlitz goes 200 uh, some say Chris Garamasinas did it in 1960. It was a big debate for the history of the sport there. But um, the benefit that we have in hindsight is being able to look and say, okay, well, the, you know, Garland's probably mentioned aerodynamics. And the one thing that's always a moving target is, and, and drag racing is aerodynamics. So, you know, the body that's on, on Bob Pascal's car certainly does not have the uh, 100% factory appearance of a Ford Mustang, but. Um, it is designed by the engineers at Ford. You know, the, the neat thing about funny car racing is that you have all four major manufacturers in there. you got Ford, Chevrolet, Dodge, and Toyota, and all four of them have had their own engineering department design the bodies on those cars. So they are, you know, they are designed by the same people that are designing the aerodynamics on the Corvette or that are designing the aerodynamics on the Dark Horse Mustang. Those are the same guys building funny car bodies, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it it really is, and the and you know there's you know is there anything that's going to come out of you know drag racing that's going to end up in a streetcar? Probably not, but maybe a little aerody- aerodynamic tweak might come out of somewhere. But 
you know, anything that explodes, and I mean that in a good way, inside, you know, not the engine exploding, but the idea yeah. of how combustion happens, um, always sort of makes me happy. The, uh, you know, I think someday we'll see a lot more electric drag racers, but I like the idea of stuff that makes a lot of noise and smells like nitromethane and is, is sort of fun. But, uh, but I also kind of like the old school drag racing too. I, I like the idea of stuff with a clutch still, like a real clutch with a pedal. You know? Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a couple of good points you brought up there. The first one is, you know, eventually, uh, and we do have a pretty significant EV presence already that's coming to the sport on like the sportsman level. We actually have a national championship for, for EVs now in the NHRA. Um, but, you know, one of the things that will eventually be OE technology that you'll see in drag racing is, um, is battery technology. And we start to see, we start to see a little bit already. Both Ford and Chevrolet have, um, dedicated electric drag cars that they have built for exhibition and R&D purposes. Um, so one of the things they work on is the rapid, um, uh, not depletion, the, the they're, they're working with these cars to figure out how mo- most efficiently they can extract the quickest um, electrical burst out of these batteries. So, believe it or not, they're actually a pretty valuable R&D tool for, for, the, for the manufacturers, and they test a lot of different controllers and different products in there to figure out, you know, really it's, it's uh, power management, um, torque management, that type of thing. So it's kind of neat to see that there is still um, an OE connection there, albeit you know, much more on the EV side. And, yeah, I mean, the reason that top fuel dragsters and nitro funny cars don't use a transmission and, and only have a, what is a six-disc clutch um, and not a torque converter is because there's nothing currently on, that exists in the world that would survive what happens to it when they hit the gas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that, re- that really is true. I mean, the idea that, you know, it, it, it you know, you said, what, 11,000 horsepower or something? Yeah, and the, and yeah. the torque number, um, several years ago, a, a company in France that makes a very um, strong uh, strain gauge measuring equipment that's used in, like, industrial industries and mining approached Don Schumacher Racing, and they said, hey, let us put one of our gauges on the output shaft of the clutch that's attached to the rear end, and, and we can see what kind of power this thing's making. And I believe the torque number was around 18,000, and the horse number, the horsepower extrapolation was 11,000. I mean, it's, just, yeah. it's, it, it's incredible. Yeah, that 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 is that is really crazy. As I mean, as a, an announcer and a fan, which you're both, do you have a certain you know? Do you do you like top fuel? Do you like alcohol? Do you like the bikes? Do you like everything? I I, I am fascinated by the motorcycles. I love all of it, and uh, but I will say this: I will say in my if I was ever you know forced to uh, make a, a signed confession in front of authorities, I would admit that top fuel is my favorite category. That said. Um, you know, the motorcycles were a class that I had I had way too little appreciation of before I got, you know, really in with NHRA about 2014 and, and dove really headfirst. And, and they're mechanical wonders, and, and they maintain a much closer factory resemblance to really any other category we have. So, you know, you have Hayabusa's out there for the Suzuki's, you have Buell's, um, are the V-twin bikes, and... You know, these things weigh about 650 pounds. They have naturally aspirated engines. They run on gasoline. You can run a V-twin-style engine, or you can run a Suzuki in line four, um, and they will go zero to 210 miles an hour in six seconds and with a rider hanging on for dear life. They are, I find it very interesting because so many new fans gravitate to the motorcycles because you can physically see the person on it. It is a very compelling thing to watch. 
Yeah, it it really is, and and some some of the the riders are um, seem amazing. You know, just you know, like you said, you're holding on for dear life. That is a re- you know, if you've ever been on a fast motorcycle and just nailed the throttle and went, holy crap, that's fast. These are ridiculous. Yeah, they really are. Um, they make about 400 horsepower, and and they will accelerate. You know through the first 60 feet of the racetrack um, in, in about one second. So they will accelerate They will accelerate on one tire with a guy or a girl hanging on to the handlebars as fast as somebody strapped into a full-size pro-stock car with a 500-cubic-inch engine. Um, it, it, you know, and that's, I guess that's the other thing that's really compelling about the motorcycles is we have so many talented female riders in that category that um, a couple of them will definitely be vying for a championship this year, but it's like, and, and that's up and down the sport. I mean, that's one of the things that makes drag racing different. And what's always made it cool to me is that, you know, when you go to a drag race and you look at the competitors, it's not just a bunch of, you know, young, rich white kids that are in stock cars. Because that's, that's kind of what NASCAR has turned into. I mean, we got people from all walks of life. we got men and women. we got people from minority backgrounds. It's, it's a pretty awesome cross-section of the world when you actually look at a look at the competitors at a drag race i mean eric enders won her sixth pro stock championship last year you know she's starting to close it up bob glenn with 10 it's, it's wild yeah it it really it really is and you know you kind of you kind of look at all of that and you and you think you know where's it going to go but is there it seems like back in the definitely the 60s and 70s and maybe even up into the late 80s there was more personalities maybe is there are there are there still crazy personalities in drag racing i mean you know john force still of course but um is there you know there there was you know like you said don perdome and you know there it seemed like there seemed like there was uh, um people that raced as much on their personalities as in their cars is that is that yeah. still happen oh, yeah i mean absolutely i think here here's the main difference the main difference is and this takes nothing away from Don Garlitz, who is my ultimate drag racing hero, idol of all time, or Don Prudhomme, who is one of the coolest people who's ever lived and seriously, and, and again, iconic status with Garlitz. But the reason that Don Garlitz and Shirley Muldowney and Don Prudhomme achieved the level of like knowledge and immortality they got was twofold. One was because they match race constantly. So they, almost like a vaudeville circuit, like they would be running three or four nights a week. And so it's like a, it's like a, candidate on the campaign right you stop at every small town you stop at every medium-sized city you shake as many hands and, and eventually you build up a base of people that that love you you have that aspect and then the second aspect was the only way you really heard about drag racing for the first 30 or 40 years of its existence was a wide world of sports that would show it four or five times a year and typically profile garlic's predominable downy or the car magazines you got once a month that would show the big national meets, of which there are a handful, that were typically won by Garlitz, Muldowney, or Prudhomme, or those similar names. So you had a you had a very con- high concentration. Like, the media was very concentrated, and it was concentrated on a couple of names. So today, we have way more means of hearing about these people. So it's, it's definitely a more diluted pool. But the big, I mean, Matt Hagen's this giant, huge guy. He races funny cars. He's as big a personality as anybody that's ever you know, that's ever been out there. And, and Austin Proc, who's, who's moving into Funny Car this year because Robert Hyde's sitting out, uh, he actually won that big race that Tasca won 341 at, another big personality guy. and um, So, yeah, they're still there. It's just the way people are consuming those personalities is different. And didn't Matt Hagen get married? Not to, not to sound like it's we're talking about Taylor Swift here, but didn't Matt Hagen get married? 
Um, I think he's he's got a long term relationship going on. Uh, I don't know if he and Chloe have tied the knot yet, but I know that they're they're inseparable. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, which you see them together a lot. So, um, oh, yeah. but yeah, yeah. I mean, I I had him on my program once. He he, you know, it was kind of funny. We talked about Tasca being a vegan and him like, I don't know, going yeah. out and going yeah. out and Cattle raising race. his own cows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and listen, he, um, you know, we we race at Epping every year in the NHRA. We come up to New England Dragway in, in the summer, uh, late May, early June this year, and, and Matt has won that race like four times now. He's like the king of New England Dragway. Tasca, Tasca won the race in 2023, but he won the Epping race in Bristol because we had such a horrible weather weekend. We rained the whole darn thing out. It's New England. It's kind of it happens, and I think doesn't doesn't Tasca own a little piece of. Um the dragway up in new hampshire i think he's a shareholder um yep. you know new england dragway is owned by a, a collection of shareholders and yep. so there's about eight or nine hundred of them total and uh some guys have a bunch of shares some guys have one but i do believe bob is a is a shareholder at the track yep. yeah yeah no why why i said something about you as a celebrity i you know i was watching i was watching the uh the motor trend podcast and jeff lutz was on there and people know sure Jeff Lutz from No Prep Kings and Street Outlaws and all that sort of stuff, and probably didn't really realize his real racing background. Um, but you know, he kind of looked at you like, you know, you're famous, and I'm kind of <laughs> looking at him like he's famous, you know. And and it was it was it was sort of interesting. And the idea that you took him back to the time where he was a, you know, he was a bricklayer, I thought was yeah. Was, yeah. It's and and you know, to me, I think it's cool. Like I, you know, I first met Jeff in like 2006 on drag week and um he was on his way up you know his career and i, I think i was uh, taking the first steps to come up in my career and i think you know to me there's those people in your lives you know them too like there are people that you meet along the way and and, and your lives kind of parallel each other right and so i feel like you know with jeff jeff and i have been on kind of that same path now granted his went his we both stayed in drag racing he went to a different format than i did but we've kept in touch all those years and it was really fun to sit down there with him and just reminisce. And, and yeah, I mean, this guy's, you know, this guy was out there laying bricks and then he goes on to, you know, he starts welding on some cars at his house and becomes a chassis builder. And, you know, next thing you know, the guy's made a, he's made a very nice life for himself in the sport and, and he's done it the right way. He's a very quality guy. Yeah. He, he really seems like he is. And, and there, there is, I, you know, like you pointed out, there's so many ways to learn about, racing or cars in general whether it's you know whether it's watching some of the motor trend stuff with with Freiburger and Finnegan or you know in in you know you, there's been some changes on those channels a little bit with different hosts and stuff yeah. um but you can learn some stuff and you can find it you can find it relatively easily now and the idea that something like car and driver now is going to be in every other month magazine um you know I used to look forward to hot rod magazine coming in the mail every month yeah, and look, the print, you know, the physical print magazine side of things is very difficult. And, and, you know, we're not far off when the every other month thing just becomes all digital. In my mind, I don't know right. anything, you know, I don't, but it, so let's just look at the trend, right? It's not like we're going to wake up next Monday and everyone's going to say, you know what? Yes, by all means, make, make 52 issues a year again. Uh, but I do think, you know, I, I, I look back and, you know, being a kid and when I was growing up in the 80s or whatever, and it's like, the, you know, the car magazines are great. It was the best thing we had. You'd pop them open, you'd read, whether it was the buff books to read about the new cars or it was the uh, you know, great handed books to read about how to, you know, change a camshaft in your small block Chevy. But, like, today I look at, you know, what my sons have access to, and 
I would have much rather been able to watch a guy do it on YouTube than to look at still photos in a magazine. You know, it's like, here's how you swap a camshaft. Here's four photos to get the job done. It's like, well, wait a second. What happens between photos two and three? Because we started with a full motor, and now the guy's holding a cam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, and it really and it, and it really, it really is, and it's uh, – uh, you know, I'll I'll watch stuff like Vice Grip Garage, for instance, because I like oh, the idea. Great. I like, yeah, I like the idea because you know he's basically you know first off rescuing stuff that's been out in the field forever, but the idea that yep. he's doing some little things to it to make it workable, or you know, get something home and doesn't put a you know puts real people money into it, not crazy unlimited expense kind of money. And I think there's there's a few shows that sort of do that, and some some. You know, looking at that, that's kind of fun. I mean, looking at Mike Finnegan's drag boat, it's like, who can afford to put that together? You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. you know, um, but it doesn't take away from him. I, I think he's, he's no. phenomenal. Yeah. He does a great no, job on that. This. But you're right. Having that range, like having the range of the Derek Beery at Vice Grip, who's like, who's doing it on a budget you and I can afford. And then who doesn't like to see something ridiculous that's like, you know, you could never have it, but damn, you're happy somebody else put it together. Absolutely. Um, I talked to Mike a couple of years ago about that boat, and he's like, you can go for a ride anytime you want. I was like, I will never in my life get in that thing. I mean, I, I, it, looked, it looked dangerous sitting still on the floor at SEMO, and I saw it the first time, let alone floating. I said, no way. No yeah. way. Yeah. It, it, really, it really does, and it's, you know, it's interesting to see how all things are changing a little bit. And, you know, I've become – it almost sounds creepy – um, but I've become kind of a fan of Riley Schlick. She's the she's uh, Riley rebuilds rebuilds the Endelbrock carburetors. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know she's got a deal now with Hemmings, and they're doing some video with her because she did really well on uh, All Girls Garage. She was a guest there, and the idea here's this 18 year old now first year in college who's rebuilding carburetors as a business, but also rebuilding a couple of cars. And it's just, it's fascinating. And to see her, you know, she was, somebody took a picture of her, and I think it might have been her dad took a picture of her out at, um, what's it, PRI, the performance racing? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and she was standing there talking with Mike Finnegan and absolutely looked amazed that she's like, I got to this point. You know, and the idea that you can do that and you can do that sort of, on your own with a little bit of social media knowledge and yeah. background, I think it's pretty amazing. Yeah, and look, I think, you know, one of the things that's been a constant over the last several years, it's like there's been this drumbeat of, like, you know, the kids don't like cars anymore drumbeat. And I never once heard a kid tell me they didn't like cars. I only heard old people telling me the kids don't like cars anymore. And, you know, Riley is kind of proof positive that that theory is garbage because if kids didn't like cars, None of the media celebrities you see on YouTube would have millions of followers and have dedicated, like, I do an event every year with, with Cletus. With Cletus McFarland, he's got one of the largest automotive YouTube followings. So I do his event. I announce his event in, in uh, Indianapolis each May. And they'll put 15,000 people a day into Indianapolis Raceway Park. The vast majority of them are, like the old days, are kids dragging their parents to the racetrack. Everybody has a blast. But these, these kids will stand in line for hours and hours on end to meet him and to meet the, the other people involved. And they love the cars, and the cars are as much a character as anything else. The idea that kids do not necessarily love 69 Camaros the same ways that you and I love 69 Camaros is 100% accurate because they don't care about 69 Camaros yeah. because they were born 40 years after that car was built. It would be like you and I caring about a brass era car, which I do love and appreciate, 
but I've never woken up in the morning being like, man, I cannot wait to get my hands on a 1918 Buick. I just can't wait to do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, um, before we let you go, your podcast, the one that you sure. started a while back, um, that is the most historical automotive and mostly automotive podcasts. Are you yeah. still doing that pretty regularly? I am. Yeah, it's uh, called the Dorkomotive Podcast, and it is uh, it is a whole. It's all like mechanical history, mostly automotive. Um, one of the most popular episodes I, I ever did was the history of the Ferris wheel, which um, it seems like it would be a very dry topic, but it, as it turns out, it's like a really amazing story about this this first Ferris wheel that was almost three hundred feet tall and carried two thousand people at once, and it was it's at a it's a truly cool story, and it, there's really something in there for everybody, whether you love drag racing or stock car racing. I got Formula One history in there, and that is uh, the Dorkomotive podcast. You can get it wherever you want. And like everybody else, John, I am also doing YouTube history videos, so you can find me on YouTube under my, my own name. Yeah, and, and I, I think one of one of the episodes I liked, and, and I may have it wrong, and there's always been, you know, People have used the term hitman in, you know, whether it was Tommy Hitman Hearns, oh, yeah. you know, as the boxer. <laughs> yeah. But but apparently there was a hitman that owned a owned a race, drove a race car, right? Yeah. So there's a guy named Broadway, Freddie Denome. Uh, his real last name was Denome, D-I-N-O-M-E. And um, he was a part of Roy DeMeo's um, gang in New York City during the 1970s. And, um, you know, a lot of people may have heard the, about the Gemini twins. They were, they were twin brothers. Um, but they were all part of this gang, and, and they were mafia murderers. And Broadway Freddie name owned a couple of funny cars, which he drove very poorly, but he was involved in the murder of over 150 people. And he ended up turning state's evidence in the, in the 80s, and uh, as you can imagine, did not meet the happiest of ends. But, uh, yeah, there is an episode called The, uh, the, the Mafia Killer Who Loves Funny Cars, and it's the, it's the story of Broadway Freddie as told by people who raced with him and who knew him. So it is, uh, to me, that's one of my... One of my favorites, too. Yeah, it really is. Hey, Brian, I want to thank you for taking a little time out of your Sunday and joining us on the Car Doctor program. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe someday if you happen to run into uh, Derek or, or Mike or, uh, or Finnegan, uh, I mean, Freiberger, tell them, uh, tell, them, tell them to, you know, maybe they'd like to come on this radio show. I'll send them your way, and I'll make sure they show up on time, unlike me. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Brian Loans. You, you you heard his resume, NHRA announcer for Fox Sports, uh, Hot Rod Podcast, uh, his own podcast, the uh, Bank Shift uh, uh, magazine of sorts. It's uh, but check it out. Bank Shift is a lot of a lot of great stuff on there. So a lot of uh, he's just he's it's amazing how much detail he knows about all of this. It's just. Uh, it scares me how good he is. Hey, why don't we take a break, pay some bills. My name's John Paul. We're way behind our break, so we'll probably have to take another one real quick after this. But let's take a break right now. And if you want to join us, you can actually send us a text message, too, at 781-837-4900. Uh, 781-837-4900 is the call-in number. But if you're shy and you want to send a text message, you can send it to the same phone number, 781-837-4900. Let's see if it works. Send us a text. Let's see what happens. Uh, my name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD. 
AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. Since 1986, One Stop Painting has been true to its name. The one stop you need to make for all your interior and exterior painting needs. That's 1986, 38 years. Some of our customers today weren't even born when we were painting their moms and dads' homes. And painting isn't all we do. Sure, we can freshen up your house and add some new colors and washable finishes to the walls, but we can also do carpentry, such as adding crown molding or wainscoting, wall and plaster repairs, fix water and smoke damage. We can even help with insurance claims. For nearly four decades, we've taken on all projects, large and small, commercial and residential, and given you the same one-stop attention to detail, no matter the size or price of the job. We are a family-run company responsible for over 30 employees. Your business helps us take care of their families while our employees take care of yours. Help keep them busy throughout the winter by taking advantage of some of our big seasonal discounts. Call us at 508-888-3500 or check us out online at onestoppainting.com. Hi, this is Liz Loans. Tune into Twilight Showcase Radio, hosted by Sandy Stride and Keith James. Visit twilightshowcase.org. Twilight Showcase, tonight from 8 to 10 on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the car doctor program on 95.9 WATD. You know, I don't know if I just got tired. I almost said the wrong wrong station ID number thing. Oop. I would have gotten all kinds of trouble. But, yeah, you know where you're, you know where you're listening to. So, um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of kind of fun to catch up with Brian. I've known him for probably 10 years now when he first started. I, I met him when he first uh, started Bank Shift, so, or maybe he had it for a while, but I first heard about it probably 10 or more years ago. And uh, even one of his sons was doing a little bit of YouTube stuff too. So you can, you can, find, you can find a lot of good information. And I like it when he also does some of the historical drag racing stuff, which is kind of fun to watch too. Um, I said something about a battery tester earlier and at home the other home i have a i have a battery tester i have a um it's the one we use at AAA. it's called a b2q and it's a little small it's a little tiny thing it's the size of a i don't know i don't know it's two by two inches maybe a little small thing and uh, how it works is you connect it to your phone via bluetooth and you look for a uh, barcode or QR code on the battery, you put it into your phone, it connects to the device, and it tests the battery based on that QR code. If that doesn't work, sometimes you can scan the uh, vehicle ID uh, on the car so you get the accurate, what the battery is that's supposed to be in there, and it is 100% dead accurate. It just does a really nice job of telling you the condition of the battery, is there a parasitic drain, you can do some starting and charging tests with it. It's this amazing little device. The problem is this amazing little device is about 450 bucks that I'm only going to buy once. 
So I, the internet being the internet, and uh, Jesse, do you agree that your computer or your phone is always listening to you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I kind of was searching around for affordable battery testers. And there's a bunch out there. You can you can buy a bunch. And the sad part is I probably gave two of them away when we moved from uh, our house in Abington. I gave them to the local Votech school. One was one of these uh, uh, ones that actually puts a, uh, a load on the battery by uh, uh, heating up. Basically, it looks some, something that looks like an electric coil. It glows bright red, and you can look at the battery and see how it drops off. I used one of those for years. Never really lied to me. It worked worked well. Um and then I had a uh, a different style one. I like that. That was a Medtronic's one. It worked really well. I gave them both to the Votech school because I said, why do I need more than one? Well, as I came down here, I, I kind of did need more. I, uh, you know, um, one of my neighbors said he had to go jumpstart his car, and he's like, I got to go get my battery tested. And one of my other neighbors, and I'm like, you know, I have a I have a car. We leave here. My car is a 2018. The average life of a battery in New England is five years. The average life of a battery in hot weather is two or three years. I'm like, I probably ought to test it and see how it's doing. So the Internet being the Internet heard me. And a company called Topdon, T-O-P-D-O-N, which I had never heard of before, uh, started just showing up in my life. And um, I said to them, I'm interested in testing a battery tester. And they said, well, you know, we have this OBD2 computer tester. And I said, well, I'm really interested in testing a battery tester. So they actually sent me one. And it is about $70, I think, somewhere $60, $70, something like that. And so far, I've tested about five batteries with it. And so far, it's been pretty impressive. Accuracy seems good. Voltage is good. It measures impedance so through the battery cells. Um, so far, so good. It's um, I, I tested the battery in my car, which tested fine. I tested the battery in my wife's car, which is was new last year. It's an AGM-style battery. Actually, the battery in my car is an AGM battery. I'm not quite sure why. I tested my neighbor's battery, which is a older battery. That's the one we had a jump start. Um, it tested out pretty well. And I tested the battery in my little boat, which hasn't gone anywhere because the weather's not been good. Um, so I wanted to see how that did. And it actually has ratings for cold cranking amps, cranking amps, which is kind of a phony baloney rating, EN, which is another way, SAE is another rating, and something I frankly didn't know existed, a marine rating. Because at first when I tested the battery in the boat, uh, it said 1,000 amps M. And I'm like, I wonder what that means. Well, apparently that's a marine rating. I didn't know there was going to work on boats. I didn't know that. So I actually scrolled through it, and when I first tested it under the normal CCA rating, it came up charged battery, uh, good battery charge, uh, and it's low on charge. So I hooked it up to a battery charger, and it didn't seem to need to be charged. And um, I um, retested it using the right parameters, and it tested out fine. So, so far... This little battery tester is pretty impressive. One thing it doesn't do that the uh, B2Q battery does, which we need far more often, is battery testing needs to be compensated for temperature. High and low temperature can change the way a battery will test. The tester needs to have a, a thermistor 
thing that can measure temperature at the battery and it will adjust the readings for that this little one doesn't have that so it's not going to be as accurate in really cold or really hot weather but it's still going to give you a pretty good idea so so far so good i'm going to do some more testing with it i'm going to find some bad batteries to test and see how they test out for that so going to going to check a few things let's talk to ken in topsfield let's find out what's up with him and then we'll take another break ken good morning good morning john paul uh, before I asked you my question, what was the name of the outfit for that battery tester? Topdon, T-O-P-D-O-N. And to right. be, be frank with you, I've never heard of it before. But uh, yeah. it 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 is one of those things, and they they have scan tools, they have a variety of electronic things. But this little battery tester came in a little blister pack, uh, and it does have the ability, similar to the expensive battery tester, you can Bluetooth it to your phone. And you could do all the con- all the functions on your phone, making it control the tester. I haven't tried that yet because the tester is pretty easy to use. I, I I judge everything on whether I need to read the directions. Well, I, I appreciate you know, if, knowing if, that. If 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 I, if I hook it up and I can get it to work without reading the directions, I figure I figure it's pretty easy to use. If I have to read the directions which apparently I did because it was a marine setting. Uh, but other than that, um, it was it was simple and easy to use and quick and, you know, took a minute to test the battery. It was pretty easy. That's great. I'm driving a car out to Montana in another 10 days, and I wanted to have the battery tested. I went to the interstate in Woburn, and they have a center, and the yep. guy came out and put a – I was going to – I was determined I need a battery just in my head. Yeah. And he came out and he put a test on, but what you mentioned he did, he, he put some machine on it. I'm not – all that good at this and then on his phone it showed up the results oh yeah yep same idea and uh and he said the battery was fine it was really amazing in my mind but i took his word he didn't try he says you really don't need a new battery i said great good but, good, uh, good news for that yeah it is always yeah. anytime you can save a, a shekel it's always good um, or in the or in the case of batteries today 200 to 300 dollars yeah, right. It's a lot Amazing. of shekels. It's a lot of shekels. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. yeah, big shekels. My question is, cars in the old days, in the old days as we know it, uh, 20000 you might get new plugs or something. Uh, nowadays they go, I don't know how long, I asked on a car that I'm driving out with 145000 if I should get the plug. This is on a CRV, an 09. With 145, and my independent mechanic says, you know, I take them out of cars, and geez, they don't even look that bad. And the only thing you do is, you, if you put them in, they cost about 25 bucks each. He says, and you throw it in, and bingo. But he says, I don't even know, you know, if I said, would the mileage improve? He says, mm, you know, he doesn't can't yeah, say yeah. depends on your drive. So I wanted to hear you talk about spark plugs. Um. Uh, Typically on that CRV, they should have been done at one hundred and five thousand. That's where they're supposed to be. Um, right. Maybe they were done then, or somewhere near. No, that. no, they weren't. No, because okay. I know the. I, I happen to know the history of the car, and uh, they weren't. They were, so they've never been done in my mind. I know okay. enough about this, so I, that wouldn't be a bad thing to do, would it? No, no, because chances are the plugs, the gap has grown a little bit. Um, you know, driving driving up and down hills when you're putting a little more stress on everything, uh, having a spark plug that's going to fire properly. Uh, you know, at one hundred and fifty thousand, I yep. I would say I would say spend the money. I think it's going to be money well spent. 
Thank you. And one last thing. It isn't like you get wise and all this new stuff. The, the new, these newer cars in the last 20 years or so, some things aren't the same. Does it need, it doesn't, does cars still have wires, some of these new? I don't know. Some some do. Some still do. Some have what's called coil-on-plug, where the uh, the ignition coil sits right on the spark plug, and they don't really have... Um, they don't really have a uh, a spark plug wire per se. They have more of a um, more more of a. It looks like a terminal that just goes from the from the coil down down to it. Pretty pretty kind of simple looking thing. Uh, your your car has um, is is a little is a little bit. I guess in one way, it's a little bit similar to that. It's. Um, it uses it uses uh, coils that go directly onto the plug, so no real no real wires. There's just these ignition coil sleeves. And in your car, it's um, it's uh, there's a cover you take off. You you pull off the you pull off the uh, coils and you take the spark plugs out and put the new ones in. So no wires no wires to speak of. So you would you would just do that. You would just do that, and you should be in you should be in pretty good shape. So. Any, uh, anything else you'd recommend at this point, like if you're going to do the plugs, is there, uh, the, yeah, the plugs, anything else you might want to just, you know, I know the air clean is good, but is there yeah, something you I, would I mean, I, I mean, I would, where the car is 14 years old, is that, or 12 years old, is that yeah. my math? Yeah, 12 years old. That's old. I, I, I would definitely take a good look at the fan belt, the drive belt, make sure it's not cracked or glazed or anything. Um, and you know, give the radiator hoses a good look because I mean, even though we're seeing hoses that last, you know, 10, 12,000 miles, I mean, 10, 10, 12 years, I would just give them a good look. I mean, the good thing is on your vehicle, it's got a timing chain, not a timing belt. So you don't have to worry about that. Um, but I would just give a good, you know, little, little checkup all the way around just to make sure it's doing okay. And, you know, double check the tires, put the right amount of air in them, uh, you know, get yourself a snack and go for a ride. Thanks a lot. All You're right. Best to you. I appreciate All right. Your good advice. All right. Take care, Ken. Bye bye. Bye-bye. Why don't why don't we take that other break now? My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor program. And send us a text message at seven eight one eight three seven forty nine hundred. Let's see if it works. First, first, first. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. This is a message from the Hull Life Saving Museum. On Thursday, February 22nd at 7 p.m., the Hull Life Saving Museum is hosting a lecture by Adrienne Murphy, president of the South Shore Neptunes, one of the oldest scuba dive clubs in the U.S. Learn about their special activities from local beach dives to Caribbean adventures. For more information, go to hulllifesavingmuseum.org. Talk Radio with a South Shore point of view. Hi, I'm Kevin Chachi. Join me tomorrow for Monday Night Talk, where the South Shore comes to talk. Tomorrow night after the 6 o'clock news here on 95.9 WAPD.
Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back. And uh, Chris from Marshfield sent us a, uh, a picture of a Corvette and apparently said it's his dream car. And, uh, well, now we know the text line works. So there you go. It wasn't Marshfield. It was Marsh Vegas. Uh, I was trying to be polite. And I don't know if you said that on the air or not. So I did. Yeah, yeah it's you a did. much more no. elite, hardcore partying, gambling side of town. Oh, so that's down That's down by the water? Is that where? Mm-hmm. I think Brent Ruck actually used to have a casino, didn't it? I think it, it very well could be. I've uh, the the only the only place I've ever went really in Marshfield is uh, there used to be uh, Bill Bailey used to own the Bailey, an Irish pub uh, yep. in in Marshfield, and uh, I knew Bill from radio and went down there and did a live remote down there, and I, apparently I was caught drinking a beer at ten in the morning. It was a Guinness, so it was like breakfast. So that's an Irish pub, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it is. So. Um, if you weren't. Uh, that's the way I looked at it. Uh, uh, somebody somebody actually emailed me this week and said they heard me on a main radio station. Yes, they did. And they also wanted to know about the Volkswagen ID Buzz van. Will it really ever show up? Um, I was just, uh, it was just at the Chicago Water Show. They said the end of 2024, but they uh, expect demand to exceed supply. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see where that price is out at. Uh, also, they're not taking reservations. So, like, uh, Tesla has been, you know, takes reservations for everything. And uh, Volkswagen's not going to do that. Volkswagen says we don't want to disappoint people by taking a $100 reservation and saying you'll get your car in three years. So when it's out, it's out. You just go to your local Volkswagen dealer and go buy one. Um it it is the ID Buzz is is like the all new electric Volkswagen hippie minivan and uh, the person I was on the show with said uh, I believe her comment was uh, get your hippie vibe going and go buy one so there you go hey that music means we need to go I want to thank Brian Loans for calling in I want to thank our regular callers for calling in of course Jesse for doing everything he does on the board and keeping everything all in one piece so until next week. Make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.